0: Which, you know, in olden days, you know, probably the 1960s and before, uh, in, the ch- in the church there was something called days of obligation. Days of obligation. And these were the days when if you were ser- serious about coming to church and serious about sort of Christian faith, you were obliged to come to church. And those days were things like uh, Christmas, the Assumption of Mary into Heaven, August the 15th. I don't see many of you here on the Assumption of Mary into Heaven. All Saints Day, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Anyone know when that is? December the 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And also uh, the 40 days uh, after Easter, Ascension Sunday. You know, all, these were the days of obligation. And nowadays, really, there's only one, <clears throat> you know, in effect. And if you have a relationship with Christianity, the one day when you're all supposed to come to church is Easter Day. And uh, you do see people, you know, wherever you are, if, you, if you're around on Easter Day and you consider yourself to be a Christian, you really feel you ought to go on Easter Day. And that is your last feeling of the day of obligation. And most people do. You know, we have a large congregation on the mountain. Last year, we had 500 people. Uh, and a big one here, and really we're celebrate, celebrating Jesus' uh, resurrection and all that that involves. And of course, the one thing that that does involve is Jesus dying. And you really can't have one without the other. And so I think it's pretty important, if we're going to have Easter Day, also to cover Jesus' death. And now traditionally that's done on Good Friday, But as we don't meet on Good Friday, um, we tend to engage with it the week before. So as I said, only at Aspen Chapel would Good Friday happen on a Sunday. And really, uh, that's what we're doing today. And for those of you that come regularly, you may know we're having a theme of personal transformation. That's been our theme. And the whole idea of, of the cross and things like that does really, it fits in. And Anissa does fit into the whole idea Of personal transformation because what happens at Easter is really the very definition of personal transformation Jesus moves from really from caterpillar to butterfly he exemplifies that fundamental change can happen by moving through the stage of death he shows that you can have fundamental change by moving through that stage of death that seems to hang over all of us. And even if, even if you see it as a, a myth or a metaphor, it's a powerful image that has been represented time after time in many different cultures. Mithras, the Roman god, um, he was supposedly the son of God. Mithras was actually, funnily enough, born of a virgin Uh, And he died for sins and he rose again. Uh, Dionysus, Persephone, Adonis, Horus, Odin, Ganesh and Krishna all came back to life. And there is something very powerful and transformatory about that idea of giving hope that it is possible to transcend, you know, whatever we're going through at the moment you know, whatever little mini death in our lives, that there's a possibility of transcending it. And to some extent, I think, the very purpose of God's is to show that in our ordinary lives, there is something extraordinary that can happen. I've always said that I thought the purpose of Jesus's life was, you know, what he wanted out of his life was to show us all the potential of our own humanity. Jesus came to show us the potential of our own humanity by living the example of that potential. I didn't think that Jesus was saying, you know, I am a God, worship me. He is saying, as he did in his own words, he said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these. You know, we have a potential within us. We have to simply be the word, as Thomas Merton says, that God utters in us. And then our potential will be realized. Let's listen to how he puts it, how Jesus puts it.
1: From the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love, and if you keep my, command, my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Thank
0: you, Greg. And, you know, he, in that, Jesus, he leads us to the point of transformation that is at the heart of this story. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, of course, you know, this has been used by churches and governments to send people off to their deaths, be it wars or crusades or whatever power plays they've come up with. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about giving up our selfish ambition and living a life of service, not operating out of Thomas Merton's full self, but out of the word that God utters in us. And in doing this, he lays down the ideas that we live our own life, as Paul puts it, we live, it, we live our lives as living sacrifices. That's the idea of a life of service, that we live our life as living sacrifices. In that reading last week that we had, therefore I urge you, this is Paul, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This, this is the path of service and transformation. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind; then you'll be able to test and approve that what God's will is—His full and perfect will—and by doing that, our lives become sacrificio, sacrifice, sacrificio, sacre holy ficio made. Our lives become made holy by giving up our selfish ambition, and that is the root. That is the root of Jesus' journey towards death. This is the sort of context as as to really what we're talking about here. Actually, you know, it's interesting. It's not something that's done in dread and misery either. As it says in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. So the sacrificio, the living sacrifice, was one born out of joy. Now that might sound a bit odd, but it is really marking out the path of transformation that we've been talking about here over the past few weeks. Taking a path of service, making that decision out of love, love being giving with no expectation of return, arriving at a point of peace in our lives, and then opening ourselves to the joy and happiness which is at the very nature of our souls. And Jesus went forward out of a realisation of that service, out of that peace and out of that joy. But as we've got the cross behind us, it wasn't all smooth running. He didn't open himself to that joy and then everything was rosy in the garden. Far from it. And, you know, we know that in our own lives. We might have made that choice to go towards personal transformation, but it's still hard because we're human. We get scared. We all feel vulnerable. We are all out of control. And we don't like to see what's coming towards us. Anger, hate, difficulty and struggle. And it was definitely not Rosie in the Garden for Jesus. Listen to how he felt.
2: From Matthew 26. Jesus went with his disciples to the garden of Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of the sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer.
0: So the horror, even for Jesus, was very real. Moving along the path of transformation doesn't, doesn't make life easier. We still feel the fear. We feel the pain. We feel the grief. And yet there is something in us, something that was in Jesus that said that this was the road that he had to tread. It was personal transformation and it was costly.
3: From Matthew 27, those who pass by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it up in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now. From the cross and we will believe in him he trusts in God let God rescue him if he wants him for he said I am the son of God in the same way the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him many women were there watching from a distance they had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. among them were Mary Magdalene Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee.
0: So not just dying, but dying with humiliation. The worst possible death. Naked, on a cross, in agony, with no one there to tell him how well he's doing. You know, because we do like to be told, don't we? You know, when we've made a sacrifice, we like to be told we're doing well, you know. Good for you. You've done really well. Very courageous. But actually, to actually go the distance on this, you have to be open to that humiliation because you are in that place of desert, of not having anything. To rely on, but God. And you know, Jesus went even further than that. You know, that classic line, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you don't get more alone than that. It's like that Buddhist saying, If you see Buddha on the road, kill him. You have to even go beyond your conceptualization of the nature of god you know for that personal transformation to happen you have to go beyond your your own conceptualization of the nature of god you know that idealized fabricated reality in your mind that you think of as being god you have to let go of the very thing that you think god is because That's really just a concept that you've thought up yourself or somebody else has thought up. And it bears no relation to actual divinity, which is unimaginable. Jesus stripped himself of absolutely everything, including his ideas of what he was actually doing. He went into that cloud of unknowing. And, you know, I realize that none of this sounds particularly appealing. It isn't really the Aspen ideal. You know, when we talk about the mind, body and spirit aspect, uh, the ethic of Aspen, naked torture and ritual execution is not what we have on our mind, uh, nor the destruction of all the ideas that we hold sacred. You know, it's not what we come here for. And, you know... Yet as we approach Easter, we have to bear in mind that this is really what it's meant by becoming living sacrifices. Now, you can probably count on the fact that no one's going to drag you out to John Denver Memorial Garden and subject you to those things that Jesus went through, but it does give a bit of a context for suffering. Not the suffering of not getting what you want, or the suffering of just getting ill, or the suffering of losing your money, but the suffering that is involved in the true path of personal transformation. And it's why you have to be at peace with yourself, and unattached to the outcomes before you can even start. Because as those famous enlightened beings, the Hollies said, the road is long, with many a winding turn that leads us to who knows where, who knows where, but I'm strong, strong enough to carry him, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. There's plenty of enlightenment in pop culture if you do look for it. But I hear you saying, you know, why would we do all of this? You know, what's in it for us? Well, that's really the point, you know, that idea of love being Giving with no expectation of return. And it's really, you know, how Jesus showed us the way. You know, my God, my God, you know, why have you forsaken me and it is finished, you know, up on the cross. There was no expectation of return. But the reason we do it is because we have that example. We just can see the fact that it does lead to resurrection in whatever form. Whether we see it or not. The path of love breaks open the consciousness of all who witness it. The path of love breaks open the consciousness of all who witness it. Look at the witness that there is you know, to this lowly carpenter. You know, the forgiveness that's there. The lack of ego. The willingness to go the distance. And as a result, a total explosion of love. Now, you can doubt what governments and priests and politicians have done with the message of Jesus, you know, what they've done with Christianity. However, you can't doubt the love that's at the center of it all. And it's why we're here today, 2,000 years later. And remember, Jesus didn't come to start a world religion. You know, we did that to him. He came to show us the path of love the path of transformation. And you can take it or leave it, but it is the true path. Let's pray. And we do pray for all those who around the world are saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you can just picture them. in war zones, in oppressive regimes, people who are homeless, who are hungry, people who seem to have no way forward. And we do ask that we may be able to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, as made holy through our willingness to go through that path of personal transformation of showing the path of love. We pray that you prepare our hearts for that as we come towards this Easter time. I pray for our world, all the difficulty that's there, the struggles, the torments. Think of people who are in prison, people on the road looking for sanctuary. We give thanks for our lives. We give thanks for where we live. We think of all those on the mountains at the moment, those working in ski patrol, on the lifts, in the restaurants. Pray for all the guests and pray for safety. Particularly pray for all those who are ill or in hospital. We think of those in our community. We think particularly of Mimi Schlumberger battling with cancer. Cindy Vandeveer recovering from surgery, Alex Coleman, think of Taylor Patterson, think of Jenny Anderson recovering from her hip replacement surgery, of Helen Gottschie, of the Franklin family, particularly Shelley, after the love of her stepfather, and the family of Borghild Heron, Eva Lemley's mother who died recently. We do offer all this up to that great spirit and ask that you bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.